This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. That is close to me from The Cure. You're listening to The Free Breakfast with Mike Williams on Free FM 89.0, independent community media. More music coming up for you a bit later on, but right now I want to talk about uh, a very interesting and serious subject. We have a general election coming up on the 17th, and uh, along with the uh, vote for the uh, party and the candidate of your choice, you are due to answer two referendum questions as well, one on the subject of legalising cannabis or uh, making it uh, a non-criminal uh, activity to use cannabis. And the other is a binding referendum on the End of Life Choice Act. And it's important that you understand exactly what's at stake here. And there's a lot of rhetoric going around from very vested interests of people trying to um, sway you with very emotive and often misguided and incorrect information about what the Act contains. So I thought I'd go to somebody who knows a lot about this particular subject. Former MP Marianne Street uh, was at the forefront of all of this some years ago. She had a nine-year stint as an MP from 2005 to 2014, during which time she advanced a lot of uh, different... a lot of different causes uh, and legislation addressing things like uh, tenants' insurance rights, ethical investments, banning the importation of goods made by slave labour. She's also been a lead supporter of legislated human rights for the LGBTQI communities and was a key figure in the campaign to, to uh, bring about legislation for the right to die with dignity. She entered an end-of-life choice bill in the ballot for members' bills held in July of 2012 and with the general election approaching she withdrew that bill in September of 2013. She said at the time she was concerned it wouldn't get the treatment it deserved, saying it needed sober considered reflection and that was something she felt was not, in her words, a hallmark of election years uh, in her experience. At the request of the Labour Party leader Andrew Little, a bill was not re-entered into the ballot following the 2014 election. Marianne declined to go into Parliament even though there was uh, a shift in the uh, in the uh, list. She, she had that opportunity to go back into Parliament, decided it was time to retire and uh, so has not had, had any further direct part in the process. But because of her interest and because she was uh, instrumental in bringing about that first bill bill into the ballot back in 2012 uh, she has remained with her finger on the pulse very much uh, in the years since and I have her online now Marianne it's a real pleasure to have you on the program this morning thanks for for taking the time to talk to us Kia ora Mike it's uh, really nice to be here thank you very much for that substantial um, introduction well I thought I'd I'd better put your qualifications out there Uh, I'm I'm sure that you're well known by a lot of listeners anyway but um, it's important that we we actually recognise we are talking to somebody who has delved very deeply into the detail of this I want to start first of all by just getting your reaction to seeing uh, the issue come to the point where it is now where it's a binding referendum question uh, after all the years that you spent lobbying in that particular area how do you feel about that? Oh, I, I feel as if the campaign's never over, really. Um, a, a referendum wouldn't have been my choice. Um, I, uh, the only other thing to add to um, the, the list of things you said about my involvement was that when I left Parliament, I became president of the End of Life Choice Society. And so 
uh, continued the campaign very uh, very vigorously through a petition to Parliament and um, and then uh, submissions, obviously, when David Seymour's bill was drawn from the ballot. But um, I, I think this is a product of MMP, and mostly I am a great supporter of MMP, but uh, New Zealand First insisted on things going to a referendum, insisted that they would only support the third reading of the bill if uh, an amendment was included that referred it to a referendum at the next general election. And even then, we've still got to wait another 12 months before it becomes uh, enforceable, this Act becomes enforceable. So people need to know that the thing that's different between this and the cannabis referendum is that a law has actually been passed on this matter, and um, and Parliament has made a choice on it. But what we've uh, we we had to do this in order to secure uh, New Zealand First vote. I personally think they should have put their adult trousers on and made the decision themselves. That's what they're in Parliament for. But we couldn't persuade New Zealand first of that, so we've got a referendum, so everybody decides now. It, as you say, does drag it out, though, doesn't it? And it adds time to potentially see people muddying the waters, so to speak, with, with misinformation and, and vested interests coming to play. Uh, they can't be good in terms of the likely outcome. Well, I think the polls have been consistent from the time that I first introduced an end-of-life choice bill into Parliament until now. The, uh, the, the very, oh, I was going to say worst, <laughs> that the polls have been, for, from, from my point of view, have, have still been at about two to one. So we've got, um, we've got uh, uh, at, at the very least, a kind of 64% majority, and in some polls, uh, depending on the question, depending on the methodology, we've got up to 85% support at various times. So, uh, but very solidly, um, 68%, 67, 68%, with a fair, fair number of, of unknowns and a very uh, small minority, comparatively speaking, of, uh, of those opposed. Can I just backtrack a little bit, Marianne, and just get you to, um, if you can, very quickly go over the uh, differences, if there are terribly many differences, between the bill that you put forward and what has come this far with David Seymour's involvement? Oh, really? Okay. Um, well, there are two major uh, differences. My bill had a whole section on advanced directors and that they should be legally binding. In other words you could set down in a legal document what you wish to have happen uh, at the end of your life and it was able to be enacted according to your wishes uh, whether or not you still had the competence to decide. So one of the things that I found all the time, Mike, when I was doing those hundreds of public meetings with thousands of people, uh, one, of the, one of the major fears was Alzheimer's. Yep. And people said, well, you know, I've told people what I want to do, but I, I need it to be fixed so that when I lose the competence to make the decision um, again, 
when I've already told people and told my loved ones and all my family knows, my doctor has a copy and my lawyer has a copy and my children have a copy, um, that uh, I would still like it to be enforceable. Well, that bit was taken out, and I think that's a shame. The other thing that was uh, was taken out during the course of the debate, and this was at the behest of the Green Party, was the clause on uh, grievous and irremediable conditions. In other words, conditions that are not uh, terminal illnesses, but leave one with the prospect of a miserable death. So they are the neurodegenerative diseases. So people aren't aware that that people with motor neuron disease or Huntington's or any of those ghastly, ghastly degenerative illnesses will not have access to this legislation. So they, you know, people, people think this is going to apply to everybody who's got something that they're going to die of eventually. Well, we're all going to die of life eventually, but this, will, this legislation will not apply. So it only applies in the case of terminal illnesses where the prognosis is within six months. My bill said 12 months, just to allow a little bit of flexibility and leeway there for people who had endured enough. But David Seymour's uh, Act now says it's six months. And so you really have to be an extremist. Given uh, those compromises, uh, are you still reasonably happy with the state of the bill and the fact that this, uh, you know, that, that, that it was passed by Parliament in that form and now stands a chance of being enacted? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I, you know, I, I was a politician and I understand compromise and uh, and I still want the law to be enacted. I'm very committed to this. I think it is a compassionate law. I think it has more safeguards than almost any other comparable legislation around the world. And it is something that is, um, uh, it, it is enactable. In other words, it can be done. And it can be done within regulation and it can be done with safeguards. And so, yes, I'm, I'm, uh, I would rather have this than nothing at all. How concerned are you with the orchestrated religious rights hierarchy's uh, anti-end-of-life choice campaign uh, and, and the information that they are electing to put out there as if it is um, fact? Uh, for example, the scaremongering tactics to say this is putting vulnerable people at risk or this is the thin end of the wedge. Very emotive language and often uh, non-specific but very threatening sounding kind of language to try to persuade people that this is a bad thing. And, 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 and further to that, though, uh, what can we do to combat that? Well, I think uh, if people are being uh, persuaded by any of the, the billboards that have gone up or um, the, the pamphlets that are being delivered around this being uh, a threat to vulnerable people, need to go and read the legislation because... This cannot be applied to people on the basis of a disability alone. It cannot be applied to people who have a mental illness or who have dementia. It cannot be applied uh, to somebody who is 
um, suffering from an illness um, where the prognosis is not uh, is greater than six months, for example. So um, there are all sorts of things I would say to those people, and I would say very respectfully to them, please go and read the legislation. It's not a hard read, but go to uh, go to the um, government's website on it and and um, and just have a look. Just have a look, and and it's that um, referendum dot government dot nz or referendums with an s dot government dot nz website, and um, and just have a look because the copies of the act is there, and and people can read it. So that's that's what I would say to people who are still uh, at, at risk of being persuaded by misinformation. Thanks the for that clarity. The second thing I'd say yeah. is that I've always resented the dishonesty of those who come at this from a theological position which very few other people share. So let's be clear, there are Christians in favour of this and Christians against. There but, are Catholics, let's get more specific, there are Catholics <laughs> in favour of this. And I can point to submissions, or um, in particular one submission that argued Catholic theology in favour at, uh, at the time of uh, the hearing of the legislation. Um, the, there are Māori in favour and Māori against. There are people with disabilities in favour and people with disabilities against. So to claim that they have a voice for people with disabilities, um, vulnerable people, elderly people, um, it, is, it is not based on fact. It's not based on science. It's not based on evidence from overseas. Why don't they just come clean and say, our view is God has given us life and only God can take it away? Because in the end, that's the argument for them. It's not about science. It's not about research. It's not about the words on the page. It's not about the capacity to make a decision for yourself. It is about their theology. They know they can't say that because it's unpopular. And so they disguise it with misinformation, um, uh, obscure and distorted uh, references to uh, overseas cases. And um, that's the thing that I think I find, I find the most disturbing about, uh, about the Christian Sundays kind of approach to this. Just say, just say, I, my religion doesn't allow me to, to do this. And then the rest of us will say, that's fine. I don't share your religion, and you don't have to make this choice. But I would like it. I would like the choice. I may not make that choice, but I'd like to have it. That's my point about that. And an excellent point too, Marianne. Thanks for being so clear on that. Uh, a, a couple of quick things before you go. One is the argument about this being the thin end of the wedge, and I have heard the um, the claim that this legislation is open for adaptation and change further down the track. Is there any truth to that? <laughs> well, I, I don't think there's going to be a parliament in the foreseeable future that would wish to take this up again. Just remember that it took two years, two years almost exactly, uh, from the time the, the bill was drawn from the ballot as a member's bill to the time it was passed at third reading. In between times, there were 
thousands of uh, submissions, many very brief formulaic submissions, which accounted for uh, the majority of the of the anti submissions. But I don't wish to pretend there weren't substantial and and reasoned arguments against it. But there was a lot of orchestration, you know, uh, of of uh, by the churches. You know, in Catholic churches, I kept hearing stories about how, how they had forms at the back of the room, uh, the room, at the back of the church <laughs> or cathedral. It and they would have, um, would recommend to people uh, how you fill these out. And, uh, you know, that kind of subservience and, and lack of respect for, for people's uh, intelligence disturbs me. But uh, anyway, it, it took a long time. It has been contentious. The MPs were worn out. It went on Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday, with, um, uh, which is the only only day that the members' bills are, are debated in the House. And it just went on and on and on. And I went to every single, just about every single one of those um, sittings on a Wednesday night. But it um, it is unlikely that anybody is going to wish to bring this up again in the foreseeable future. So, so it, no, I don't think it's going to be extended. Right, so if it becomes law, it will, it will stay as is, at least for the imaginable future anyway. Yeah. In saying that yeah. also, do you do you believe if it doesn't get across the line, the referendum, uh, it, that it would be a subject that would not be revisited in the foreseeable future as well if, uh, for another go at it? Yes, I do. Yes, I so do. So there's a one-chance situation I, I, here. I, I, think, I think this is it. We've had this um, this proposition put before Parliament twice before. Uh, this is the third time. I think it will be the last time for a long time because MPs have seen uh, how much effort it's taken. So I was very involved in the multi-party group that worked on, on persuading MPs. So the Greens, uh, some Greens, some National Party... Um, uh, Labour, of course, and uh, and and David Seymour. We work together um, very cooperatively. Uh, every now and then, somebody from New Zealand First as well, but they are pretty much whipped um, to do one thing and one thing only. So um, I think um, uh, you know it was a it was a very uh, collaborative effort. And it took a lot of time and energy, and I just don't think anybody will be wanting to do this again. On the basis, fails this time. On the basis of that, though, uh, you could also say, with you know, fair, fair amount of clarity, that it has been very vigorously, very robustly debated. This is possibly, if it gets across the line and uh, becomes law, it will be one of the most robustly debated laws that we have on the books. Absolutely. There isn't any other, in my political experience, there has been no other piece of legislation that has been subjected to this level of scrutiny and debate and argument and amendment. Um, uh, and certainly no member's bill that has received this kind of attention. So it is, uh, it is one out of the box, this one. So if we lose the referendum... Personally, I don't think we will. But if we were to lose the referendum, this isn't going to come up again anytime soon. 
Marianne, I really appreciate your candour and your uh, honesty with your responses today and for throwing a, an awful lot of clear light onto the subject. Um, you've clarified a lot of things for me and uh, I really do appreciate your time this morning. I know you're a busy woman, you've got lots on your plate, but uh, fingers crossed that uh, things go well through the referendum. And thanks so much for joining us on the free breakfast this morning. Always good to talk to you, thanks. but uh, especially this time. Thanks very much, Mike. I appreciate it. Thank you, Marianne. Bye. Marianne Street, former uh, Labour MP, a very busy person at the best of times. Another point to remember about the uh, legislation and if it becomes enacted is that part, uh, experience overseas suggests that the same would hold true here, that if you um, do have this option in your life in the future and you're told that you have that option, there's about two-thirds, I think, of people overseas that it, um, were comforted just knowing that they had that option and did nothing with it. So that's something else to bear in mind as you face that question as well. This is the free breakfast on Free FM 89.0. More music coming up shortly. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.